0: is a bloody disgusting podcast network
1: you better run boy you better run we alive Boils and Ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hello,
2: hello, my name is Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, and welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 327. Listen, at time of release, thanks to you so much for coming up to say, "Hey, at Monster Palooza in Pasadena this past weekend, if you're able to make it out. It was an absolutely incredible time. We loved meeting you if you discovered the show at Monster Palooza, and this is your first time checking us out. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. We're going to do a proper Monster Palooza post-Chat later this week for another episode and get Warren myself and Leo together for a bit. That's much needed. Right now, our conversation with our very good friend and yours, Spencer Charnis from Ice Nine Kills. Spencer was so kind to spend some time with us just before the band left for their European tour, which is still going on right now, actually. Wraps up June 11th with the Download Festival, then they're off to Australia for a bit, back to the U.S. in August for their very own, this is huge, their inaugural horror convention. The band's doing their very own horror con. Silver Scream Con. August 27th in Massachusetts. During the taping of this interview, it was the first time we ever even heard about it. This is so exciting for us. We're going to talk all about it. Their latest album is Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood, the sequel to their acclaimed Silver Scream record. Both albums offer a cinematic horror metalcore experience every song being an homage to some of the greatest films in the history of the genre and they're all done with passion and unprecedented talent we're going to talk about the process of bringing the stories of these films to life with music the ever-evolving and expanding visual side of the band the fandom the mysteries the app that they launched and of course horror movies And ice cream. Episode 327 with Spencer Charnis from Ice Nine Kills is now slaying. There's
1: a formula to it, a very simple formula. Everybody's a
3: suspect! Hello, Sydney. It's Spencer from Ice Nine Kills, and you are being hunted by the Boo Crew.
1: Head screen. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy.
2: Jack White's got this booth at his record store, yeah. And it's this old school booth. I don't know what year that they made this thing, but it's a retro looking booth. Yeah. And you go inside, and you you put in. I don't know if it's coin operated or what it is, but you go in the booth, and it looks kind of like an old school photo booth made of wood, and you sit inside. And you play, it's got a microphone in the, in the middle of the booth and you sit inside and you play and it presses a fucking record right then and there of what you're recording in real time. That's awesome. Like it spits it it out. And I saw one of those booths on fucking eBay. (laughs) Oh wow. And I forget how much it was, but my first thought is (laughs) if I had like Kanye West money, that's what I would spend it on. Right? Shit like that. Of all How people, come Kanye West is not buying, like, the record it's booth? It's always that's what I would, Kanye right? West. <laughs>
4: Anytime. If I had Kanye...
2: Con- I'm, I'm thinking, like, like Jay-Z. You guys know, yeah. no. you know, well, I saw a picture of Kanye West's house, and Kanye West has all this crazy money, but his house is very, like, looks like an Apple store, right? It was, like, concrete, very minimal, and I would fill it with shit like that if I had the money. Uh, you would but fill it. I'm with it. you. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And monster shit. I mean, come on. But anyway. Yeah. Alright, let's do the official introduction So joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is the singer and Curator of a band that has Evolved into a fully immersive horror Experience and community the likes of which has Never been achieved before and it Only continues to expand and Proliferate the band establishes Roots back in the early 2000s And has built a legacy of three EPs and six full-length studio albums including The acclaimed every trick in the book based on Novels including Dracula, Carrie And The Exorcist for the fifth album, album The Silver Scream they leaned into their horror influence all the way and produced an experience that was so blissfully original and experimental that it was shocking the world of 13 horror movies splattered across 13 songs going straight to the Billboard charts Well, every great scary movie has a sequel and theirs came at the end of this past year with Welcome to Horrorwood, The Silver Scream 2. Not only did it crack the Billboard Top 20, but earned number one on the Hard Rock Albums chart and this past year has seen the biggest tour of the band's career with the likes of Metallica. Every new music video they release just pushes the limits and breaks new ground in cinematic story and effects featuring cameos from a who's who of the genre, filling their own universe with incredible supplementals, always dreaming of new ways for people to experience the world of the band, be it graphic novels, their Nightmare on the Ninth merchandise drops, the Psycho's Only app, and so much more. We're here to celebrate Ice Nine Kills with the man behind it all, Spencer Charnas. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. I get
3: I get chills when I hear your intros, and I know everyone always says it when they come on, like Jamie Kennedy or David Arquette, but you really do the best introduction. So flattering, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Dude, man, again,
2: well-deserved, and that's what... That's what your music is doing to everybody, too. It's chills. When Welcome to Horrorwood comes on and and gets us into that album, it's kind of like the feelings that I remember when I first went and saw Phantom of the Opera when I was a kid. And that beginning when the organ hits and the chandelier drops. And as a kid, it just fucking blew my mind. My stomach sunk. I was just like, this is crazy. The hairs on the back of my neck stand up. And you were doing that in every song. Every song seems almost designed with moments like that.
3: Lot 666. Six, six. <laughs> I remember I was like eight years old when my parents took me to see Phantom of the Opera in Montreal yeah, with nice. uh, Combe Wilkinson who was, you know, like, known as the greatest phantom that ever was. And that kind of stuff changed me. And I, I think subconsciously and consciously, you're right, we try to put those moments into all the songs, whether it's in our song about American psycho hip to be scared where we, you know, come out of a course and then right into a Huey Lewis part. Right. And try to have those moments where you're like, wait, what? This is coming out of left field. Yeah. But you, you, you hit the, the uh, nail right on the coffin.
2: <laughs> no, this is, it's actually not where I envisioned this interview starting or this chat starting. I want it to be more like a chat than an interview. Um, but so it is there. I've always been curious about this because the music is so has gotten to the point where it's so evolved and cinematic and orchestral and it's got all these dynamics that you're constantly riding. How does this process honestly start? I mean, you've done it once before, you've been through it before on the Silver Screen. The process of making that album, did this inform making this, this follow-up? Did you learn things from that experience that you trimmed off as, as we do with sequels and get things to a, a better, more refined process? How did it start
3: off? It usually begins very in a very simple manner. Me sitting with a guitar, plucking some strings, either a chord progression or a riff, and a melody. And then we have so many talented people we work with, from our producer, Drew Falk, to, um, you know, our members of the band, from Joe, Dan, Ricky, Pat, um, you know, a a ghost member who's always been like a a sort of a fifth member, Steve Sopchak. Um, When we... put the lyrics together, we sit down and we we try to one-up each other, we try to, you know, because we're always trying to look for double entendres yeah, yeah. and yes. puns p- and stuff. Exactly, yeah, we're, right. we're pun heavy, so we make sort of a competition out of it so I'll start a phrase and he'll finish it or um, he'll start it and I'll finish it sort of alley-oops and then bringing in those orchestral, those grandiose arrangements, there's this guy, uh, Francesco Farini who's in this um, sort of symphonic death metal band for, from Italy and he's the composer in that band so it's this process of us doing a demo and then we send him the demo we tell him what what movies it's about and and he he digs in he's like okay well okay so Elfman did the score or, or John Carpenter did the score whoever did the score and and he brings it to life so it's this like great team effort that starts in 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 a very stripped down format with a guitar and a vocal and uh I'm, you know, I'm lucky to be surrounded by such talented people. Yeah,
0: what, is that, what does that environment look like, that room? Like, you guys immerse, immerse yourselves in horror? Like, like, where do you get that inspiration from? Where it's like, we got to go dark. We got to talk about
3: this movie, that movie. Well, before we begin every album, I sit down with a, a pen and paper and just write out every movie that I think could make a compelling song. And, you know, the list for Harwood, I think we had, like, 20 to 25 movies and then from there you sort of whittle it down and okay okay so the pandemic was obviously awful and took everyone off the road and people died and all these things but we tried to make the best of it in terms of okay we're not going to be on the road let's work and we were fortunate enough um that our last album silver Scream silver scream one was at the end of its cycle so there were a lot of bands who were just coming out with an album when yeah. the pandemic started and completely took you know the wind out of their sails in terms of trajectory. So the fortunate thing for us is that we needed to write an album and we've never been granted this much time to do it. So I, I sort of made a routine of it. I would wake up every morning, I would get my coffee, I would sit down at the piano with my acoustic guitar and figure, you know, what, what, what am I feeling today? And I remember one of the first ones I knew I wanted to do was the genius of Clive Barker's Candyman. So I watched that film again. Of, of course, I've seen it many times, but I just let it kind of soak in. I, w- I would watch those films at night and then the next morning I would try to get some inspiration. Yeah. Um, and I just, I can, I went back to Helen's theme, just playing it out on the piano. And I, I, you know, was messing around with it and kind of put my own little spin on it. And then that, the vocal melody came very quickly and I kind of just banged that first, uh, you know, the verse into the chorus out very quickly. And then I would go, you know, later in the day, over to, to uh, Joe and Dan's studio, and they lived um, in Echo Park. You know, it's like a 15-minute drive from oh, yeah. where I live in West Hollywood. And uh, funny enough, it's on the same street where where Blumhouse oh, cool. headquarters are, oh, which we nice. found out like a couple months later. We're like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's funny. And uh, we would work for hours just, you know, slaving over the songs. You know, some songs come very quickly. Like, for instance, Hip To Be Scared kind of came together one day when I was sitting down with Drew Falk, and I came in with this guitar piece, that, you know, very sort of classical, and we kind of banged that out in two days. But other th- songs like Candyman, um, Farewell to Flesh, and uh, Salt and Batteries, which is about child's play, it took a little bit more like, okay, we got to figure out what we want... I knew that I wanted to homage the Toys R Us theme song. Yeah, that was a genius <laughs> idea. Thank you, man. And so, what, what, when I when that sort of light bulb went off, I was like, okay, how do we fit that chorus into this verse? It's like a different um, BPM. You know, it's a it's a it's a different um, timing um, speed rather, and uh, it just became like a a fun process, and even the the struggles were ended up being so rewarding once we got over the finish line and we're like, that's that's it. That's the chorus went through five different courses in farewell to flesh before we landed on that one. Wow. Do
4: you think because you had more time, you labored longer over the songs?
3: Definitely. Yeah. which can be a blessing and a curse. Right.
4: Yeah. Because when does
3: it end,
2: right?
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> right? Right. How much better can we get? Yeah. Alex, yeah, better. yeah. But you know, I, I'm, I've become good at, at listening to advice over the years and you realize you hire these producers for a reason for, for them to tighten no, and that that's too much. Right. Or let's, you know, the first melody you had was better. Don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, it was great. You know, we work with so many different people too. Um, something that was really cool for me especially one of the reasons I started Ice Nine Kills was because of the band Goldfinger huge Goldfinger fan and you being with K-Rock I remember that that was part of the story here in your bedroom was such a um, it was such a moment for them to get on K-Rock and uh, I've always been a huge fan of John Feldman who's the singer and he's become a big producer and uh, we never we just it never worked out working with him and uh, the pandemic granted us an opportunity to to sit down over Zoom, and we ended up writing a few songs for the album. And I went to his house, and we we re- recorded um, some music together for it that ended up on the album. It's just like this is a guy that I started the band because of, and I'm, I'm sitting at his house working on songs with him, and he's telling me, you know, our shit is cool. Oh
2: yeah. man, so, like, stuff that like is that. so
3: cool. Yeah, That's cool. and then what
2: about like I love how just in terms of the, the how the songs are designed. You love to, and I love when this happens too, is you give those, you weaponize those famous lines from certain movies like, we'll tear your soul apart or whatever, right, from Hellraiser. And you give them like a fucking good beat and you use that as a place to kick in with dynamics. Is that, like, when you look at a song, do you sit and structure it yourself in terms of where you want it to go tonally throughout the journey, the journey that you want to take the listener. Do you plan that out at the beginning, or is that something that that comes along while you're working on the song? Once everybody puts their two cents in it, and then you look back and go, "Okay, I want to cause dynamics." Because when you 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 add jump scares into the <laughs> song musically, like it's right. like it's like listening to it's like a uh, an audio horror film. These songs, the way they're designed. So in order to achieve jump scares, you know when to pull back right? So that when you punch us, it it affects us emotionally. So how does that, how does that art get designed?
3: Some of it is completely premeditated. Like when we were going to approach, Hey, we're going to do a song about American psycho. I knew that we needed to have the Paul Allen scene (laughs) be the breakdown because that's like, that's the real high point of that film, even though, you know, it's such a great film, but that's one part that Memes have been based on, and people remember, it's like, it's such an iconic scene that I knew that that, Hey Paul had to be the mosh call, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. Same with Assault and Batteries with Child's Play. We knew that <laughs> Day do a dimbala. like we knew that that had to be part of the breakdown. When we knew we were going to do Child's Play, I was like, wouldn't it be so cool if the song started with our own sort of uh, toy commercial jingle? Yeah. And so so a lot of the time it is very, very well thought out in advance. Obviously, sometimes you're in the pocket and you're on a second verse and you think, oh, my God, wouldn't it be so cool to go to this or do, you know, one of Pinhead's uh, you know g- great classic lines or some sort of uh, play on one of his classic lines. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a mix of, of the two premeditated and sometimes on the fly.
2: Right. I want to know when you came up with the I mean, one of the, the fucking coolest melodies I've ever heard is on the Hellraiser 2 in the box right it is is so fucking good and it's so I mean it's the Hellraiser is like the darkest film series Uh, like I almost can't I have a a hard time watching it because it's so dark and, you know, just depressing the way that that whole mood. It's a masterful, but man, I feel like shit when I watch it. It's that (laughs) it affects me that much. Yeah. But to have a melody that sweet gives that polarity to that that whole thing. But yeah, I I just want to know. That melody in particular, did you labor? It was that something that came super easy. It is something to be very proud of for sure.
3: Well, thank you very much. That one I got to give a lot of credit to Brandon from the band Atreyu. Really, if you yeah, heard about I that? That. that was one song that we co-wrote with him. And um, if you're familiar with that band, he's got just this incredible voice it's this it's i call him like the Pavarotti of metalcore yeah yeah and um one of the things one of the tricks he taught me was he likes to as i think he put it give that bitch wings in terms of a chorus (laughs) so he always gravitates towards swords yeah Yeah. like those major melodies yeah and um when we were working on that I, i even thought to myself is this too um is it too major? Is it too like uplifting? And, and, and the more and more we thought about it, no, it's the perfect dichotomy mm-hmm. for the verses being so evil and the breakdown being so evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously because we did such a, a great job with him, we had to have him sing on the song. So he, <laughs> that's why we got him to feature on it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, awesome. oh man. And the videos have been absolutely insane. So is it, is it all is it, what's the guy's name that you've been teaming up with uh Jensen. Jensen
3: known. Has he been doing all of them? All of them for this album. He he's nice. uh, him and his producer Phoenix are just they're geniuses. They take the ideas that we come up with and and obviously the iconic movies that we're paying tribute to and, and just you know they really they really know how to form them in in the most graceful way possible, and we're actually filming uh, another one starting tomorrow. Oh, oh wow, so exciting! And it's been a lot of fun to to not only do those parts of the the videos where we're you know homaging uh, American Psycho or uh, Child's Play, but also building our own lore with the uh, the scenes in between yeah, that right, connect right. the story. And, uh, you know, uh, a, a really good friend of mine who I, you know, has, have known since kindergarten, this guy, Andrew Smith... We write the um this those scenes together, so it's like we grew up loving everything from these horror movies to Seinfeld to A Few Good Men. So we're <laughs> like putting together this this murder mystery, and it's it, it's a it's a ton of fun, especially working with with people you've been friends with your whole life. Yeah
2: is the is the whole story of the Silence? Is it all complete in your minds already? Like you know how it ends?
3: Oh. Yeah, I mean we we uh, I wrote a, out a treatment for it towards the beginning of the pandemic about how it would go. So now we're just sort of filling in the gaps and it's so cool to be working with these actors, you know, Bill (laughs) Mosley, Ricky, who who you've had on before. And I know you mentioned Ice Nine Kills. That was awesome. Uh, Ricky Dean Logan. um, And uh, just going through these, it's, it's something I've always dreamed of doing, you know, being involved in that creative process, being on set, getting people like, uh, Dead Meat James and, and Chelsea, his, his wife, you know they have that great kill count show. Um, to be part of it, it's just it's just a, a, a love fest for for people that enjoy on screen slaughter, and, <laughs> and that's what it's all about. Dude, we gotta be in one of those videos.
2: Gotta. We gotta be in one of those videos. We gotta get you a cameo, dude. I saw uh, like the the rainy day video is is fucking insane yeah. to me. It's it's my favorite one. It's my favorite one. Thank you. The process of the videos now, do you have it down to a science? Do you know, okay, this is how many days we're going to spend shooting these things. This is how many days we're going to spend planning it out so that it doesn't get too out of hand. Or how does it work for you right now?
3: Well, a lot of it comes down to to budget. You know, we, we, we have to convince the label, hey give us a lot of money to do these things because they're very expensive, but we're we're fortunate that um, our team is really behind us and uh, the album has sold well and the last one sold well. So we're very fortunate that um, they kind of give us what we want. Right. And, um, you know, as far as the logistical stuff, I don't have too much to do with that, but you know, we've definitely sort of got it down to a science in the sense we don't really spend more than two days doing a video. Right and that's what we kind of have to try to fit it in uh in terms of a schedule so that we can do all the vfx and do all the the blood gags and the practical effects that we want and not, you know, be going into the red. Yeah. And then Well, so, we're into the red with blood. There we're you not go. Into yeah. Into the red with the pockets. <laughs> so
2: what about so Jensen, how much freedom do you give him to put his two cents on the treatments that you guys come up with for this?
3: Definitely give him a lot of um Freedom and input. But at the end of the day, you know, I I, I make the final call. But um, again, it goes back to like working with our producers and stuff. You hire these people because you trust them. Yeah. And uh, and and I think people do their best work when they have enough freedom to to put their own stamp on it. Yeah, Yeah. definitely.
4: Is there a video you're most proud of?
3: That's tough. I I think it's got to be a toss up between funeral derangements and uh, hip to be scared funeral derangements, especially because um, just a few days before we filmed that one, that's the pet cemetery yeah. tribute. Yeah, I got yeah. this idea in my head. I was like, wouldn't it be so cool if we could get the original gauge Miko Hughes to play the truck driver right. that hits the little kid. And I thought, you know what, this is never going to happen, right? And um, Sean Clark, who, who started to represent me for horror conventions, at, who I've been a fan of for years, oh, Sean so, Clark's awesome, yeah, man. His great. videos and stuff. Yeah. He used oh, to do yeah. the the
2: was it the horror hallowed grounds yes. for horror how magazine. Yeah. yeah, I fucking love that guy. He's awesome. Yeah.
3: And uh, I, I've been watching his stuff for years. You know, whether it was like the you know the extras on the Halloween mm-hmm. DVDs, and I and he started to represent. I was like, I, I, I bet he knows Miko. So I oh, call yeah. Sean up. He knows up. everybody. He knows everybody. And within an hour, he's like, yep, me go do it. What? I'm like, <laughs> just the idea of getting him to play the truck driver where he's killing him, his own character. Yeah. He's killing himself. And uh, that blew my mind that we got that. So that, that kind of gives it a leg up there for me. Oh, leg up,
2: God. I mean, you must have ideas going for the next few songs as to who you can who you can get, right? Oh, that yeah. Be so
3: fun. It is. and it, 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 it's, it's fun, and, and I love the fact that I live in LA now where these things are a possibility, Yeah, you know, it's not so far fetched that you could get some of these people that you really respect. Right. And, um, for me, those, those are the, celebrities that I get starstruck around you know I don't yeah. I don't care about the Kardashians or whatever you know right. whatever's the the, the hot uh, moneymaker in Hollywood like I'm like oh my god that, that that guy was in Friday the 13th part 6 I gotta meet this motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so cool about yeah. starting to do these conventions um, like we just did one in Florida, oh, called yeah, Spukala. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and 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 I, I've been fortunate enough to become friends with some of these people. So we played a small private show for like the VIPs only. and I, I'm looking up there, you know, in in the in, in the balcony area. We got James Jude Courtney who played Michael Myers. Yeah. Oh. We got Ari Lehman who played the original Jason, who jumps out of the water, Felissa Rose, Miko Hughes, uh, Tom Matthews, all these people that I you know, grew up being like, oh my God, they're watching us perform these songs that, you know, our tributes to them. Yeah. And so it's like, it's become such a, a full circle moment that yeah. we are actually doing our own convention. We're we're, we're actually announcing it tomorrow, whenever this will air. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, called the Silver Scream Con. It's oh, going to be in shit. Massachusetts. You guys got to come. God, Congrats. That's yes. fucking huge. Thank you. Yeah.
2: So what, I mean, well, obviously that. this will air after it's announced. Tell us what the fuck's going
3: on. Who's yeah. there? It's going to be amazing. So far, we've, we've announced a few of the guests. We've got... Nick Castle, the original Michael Myers, is going to be there. Ari Lehman, the original Jason. James Hude Courtney from all the Blumhouse uh, Halloweens is Michael Myers. We've got Danielle Harris from the Halloween series. Uh, Skeet. yeah i mean you know who's a who's an (laughs) idol of mine you know i I model so much of what i do off of his performances because he's so great and uh, and a a ton of other uh guests that are going to be announced we got bill mosley coming out we got uh, so many tricks and treats we're going to do a show out there and it's it's going to be in danvers mass which is salem adjacent wow at the end of august and uh yeah, is there is there a venue for it or yeah, it's going to be at the DoubleTree in Danvers, nice um, August twenty sixth through twenty eighth, and we're going to be playing a show that Saturday night at the Cabot Theater in Beverly, and I'm just so excited because you know I I grew up going to these kind of things and to to curate curate our own, it's just like. A dream come true
2: congratulations oh, man, i mean amazing. i couldn't think of any better person to, yeah. to curate one of these that's,
3: man it's too
0: bad it wasn't the Danvers hospital man oh man
3: it's yeah. <laughs> still there right that's got to be the venue for the next year <laughs> right? that's bigger, yeah that would be awesome it's, like a, it's an apartment right or a condo complex or something i didn't even know they changed it from yeah. the hospital yeah i remember seeing all those ghost, you know ghost hunter shows yeah, investigating right. there yeah. i wouldn't buy a, an apartment there <laughs> So oh, maybe is the oh,
2: idea to do it annually? Is that what you'd like to do?
3: That's what we were hoping, uh, hoping to do, you know, build it up and expand it and maybe eventually do, you know, a silver scream con in New York and LA and London and Chicago and in a bunch of different places. And when we were trying to come up with a name, I was like, that's perfect because even if you don't know the lore or even know about the band, it's just a, a nice name for a horror convention. Yeah, you know?
2: it's awesome. It works. So, so curious about your experience going from someone who used to attend these things to now being there with your own booth. Maybe you're doing meet and greets, you're hosting panels. What has that experience been like as far as like the perspective that you're getting from that fan perspective again, you know, and, and the things that you're hearing them say and the things that you see that fans are gravitating towards as far as the experiences that they want to have with the films and properties that they love.
3: Yeah. I always think about it and approach it from a fan's perspective. Cause I remember all the people that were really nice to me and maybe some of the people that weren't so nice. Yeah. So I always make sure to, to really give each person that comes up a moment and really engage with them and, and ask them questions about themselves or what they liked about what we did or what they like. And uh, th- that's, that's how I think you got to approach it. Mm. And um, for me, it's it's so cool being on the other side of the table and then after i do my signing going up to these people that are my heroes you know we were doing a convention in new jersey i think it was monster mania and after i got done signing steve miner was signing in the same room, and I mean, you know, he he he's the guy that put the hockey mask on yeah. Jason, yeah. and uh, you know, was involved in the, in the first three films. You know, was on set one, two, and three, and did H two O, and did House, and it was just. It gives me a chance to be a fan as well yeah. to be the guy for those people that are fans of us. But then to be able to a split second later be like, you know, your work is is so influential yeah. to what we do.
2: Yeah, what do you find that? you're hearing from the ice nine kills fans when you're doing this and when you have those moments is there some is there a few things that you hear often that they're asking for or saying
3: i think what i hear uh, a majority of the time is that we we really help them have an escape from the uh triumphs and tribulations of life you know they come to me and, and at first you know i thought that oh man that's silly i mean how could we save you through murder? But I guess it's possible as right. long as it's not real murder. <laughs> right. But um, I to- I totally get that now, you know, whatever it is, whether it's on screen butchery or or, or or sports that people watch or, you know, comedies or uh, podcasts, like what you guys do, it provides uh, that escape and that 10 minutes or an hour at night where people can put away their problems with their job or their significant other and just kind of, zone out and kick back yeah and get lost in it
2: yeah and i mean that's a thing with what you do and your approach to it you can get lost in it because it's so immersive right it's designed to be a full experience
1: <laughs> the boo crew will be right back the mummy fear will freeze you when you face it the mummy the... the... Torn from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it rises from the quiet dust of centuries to wreak a strange vengeance against mankind. The mummy. It tears steel bars like paper. It snaps men's spines like matchsticks. It walks through bullets like a ghost. It sees without eyes, it lives without breath, yet its desires are strangely madly human. The motion picture screen's most shocking experience in suspense, in chilling technicolor, The Mummy.
2: How far does the rabbit hole go? There's people who probably don't know about the Psychos Only app. What sort of experience is there on that? That in particular, that people might be missing who don't know about that whole
3: universe. I think you know the way that we've sort of designed the band is that you can be a casual listener and just like the melodies, or you know, like the the, the beat for a song, or you could go as far down the rabbit hole as possible, all the way to hell, <laughs> and that's like stuff with the Psychos Only app yeah, where we yeah. do. You know, we like premium memberships where, you know, today, for instance, I was just speaking with three fans and having like a a sit down Zoom call with them where they got to ask me questions because one of them was the psycho of the month or something like that. And um, it's really crazy um, to be able to curate like an app like that. It's kind of become we call it Instagram because these kids come and you look, you look at the feed on on the app, and like kids are posting every five minutes, like, "Hey, how was everybody's day?" You know, it's good to be a psycho. I got this, you know, Halloween three rare vinyl, check it out. And and not only within the the Psychos Only app, but there are these Facebook groups that have thousands and thousands of members. There's one called the Ice Nine Kill Actors where people just put up rare shirts and trade and sell things and talk about, you know, oh, my God, I got this set list in 2016 and signed by blah, blah, blah. So it's as immersive as you want it to be.
2: God, we saw the hip to be scared video release party over at Mystic Museum. We got to be in that in that collective of of people. And it's just such a great family vibe. And that must feel good, too, to actually, you know, love your fans. You're one of them.
3: Absolutely, and it's like going back to the Psychos Only app. It's like you don't see that like toxicity, right. that toxic kind of wham wham that you you see on Twitter or sometimes um, Instagram or Facebook. It's just people that want to have a good time, and everyone is so like well behaved, which I think sometimes is a, um, the wrong preconceived notion about horror fans. Oh, they must be these ghouls and these yeah, yeah, yeah. deviants um, <laughs> right. but they're really not and doing events like uh, at the mystic museum and, and, and those people are so cool slash back and all these yeah, immersive yeah. experiences they let us come and do these these in-person meet and greets and uh it just makes me love living in la that much more oh it's yeah. Cool, yeah it's
2: <laughs> the coolest the coolest i'm wondering if from being out there in conventions and talking to people is there a particular film you find fans are asking about the most as far as a song that
3: they'd like to see you do. Right. That, that we have not done. exactly. We get a lot of trick or treat, which I tell the fans, that would be difficult because it's like, you know, an anthology. Yeah. Um, I hear a lot of uh, Sounds of the Lambs, which we may or may not have something up our sleeve. Uh, I'm nice. not going to go too far into it. But um, those are two I really hear a lot about. Killer clowns from outer space. Nice. I hear that. Some people have on that same note with with Clown's Terrifier which I think would be pretty cool. Yeah.
2: To me one of the best slasher films of the past uh, decade definitely Agreed. Terrifier. Yeah. yeah. That yeah.
3: sequel's coming out this
0: fall, right? I think. I
2: think or, so suppo- yeah. I think it's been done for yeah. a while, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah, I think they're waiting for the right time to drop it. I can't wait.
3: And that Saw killed down Oh my god You know what I'm talking about Yeah, yeah, yeah They're saying saying The sequel's even worse Like How could it be That movie shocked The living shit
2: out of it We had to stop Remember we had to stop it Lauren (laughs) Yeah We had to stop it Halfway through Because it was
3: too intense (laughs) I (laughs) I went for the jugular
4: Like a Disney movie To cleanse my palate Just to I believe Take a it. Break.
3: Yeah, get a priest over the house, to, <laughs> to, to cleanse it. But yeah, that, that that's the kind of movie that just went for the throat, you know. Yeah. But you know, when we did it is the end, which is obviously about it. You know, I think we may have used up all the clown and circus metaphors. I don't know. For, right. We'll see. <laughs> right. 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 Oh my God. Do you keep a, like a running list for the next album? Kind of. Or? I do. I. You know. I. I. I try to keep my ear to the street, and. um I always like with our albums, you obviously, you do the ones everyone knows, the ones that everyone loves, like Child's Play, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. But then I like to give those like little bit deeper cuts to expose people to the Silent Night, Deadly Nights, to the Mm -hmm. My Bloody Valentine, to the films that are so great, but they maybe just, they didn't get that same marketing push or just didn't connect at the time. So I I love, I love hearing uh, fans say, and this is another thing that they say to me, you got me in a horror or sometimes it's, um, you got me in the metal. So it's like, very interesting. Inter- interesting yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. So it, I always am so honored when people tell me that and, and seeing not just kids come up anymore, like not just teenagers or people in their early twenties, but families that bring their little kids to the shows or to the conventions. And you would think that, oh, you know, here's this family, you know, his mother and father in their 40s with their little kid. Maybe they're kind of using their kid as an accessory, like, oh, he's just dressed up like Georgie. But these kids know the words. Yeah. They're not accessories. <laughs> they're actually fans, and and that's so cool to me because I was the same way. I, I wanted to see these movies when I was that age. I was obsessed with them from, you know, six on. So seeing uh, us having that effect on on kids that age is, is, is so cool.
2: Cabin Fever was a very transformative film going experience for me because that was kind of like I never got to see Evil Dead in the theaters. I was I was way too young. So seeing Cabin Fever was kind of like my Evil Dead. So I I went to Seattle and saw that at a film festival in 2003. Mm -hmm. That fucking movie blew my mind. And to see you guys do a rash decision and to include Cabin Fever in the Ice Nine Kills world. I'm wondering when you first saw Cabin Fever or what your first memories of that.
3: I remember I was at summer camp and and someone had a newspaper back back when people used to buy newspapers and and look at show times up yeah. there and and the ads and I remember seeing the ad for, for cabin fever. And I, I can't remember the exact quote. I think it was maybe Rolling Stone. It was scary as hell or something. That was like, what is this movie? Sure. And it just, wasn't pancakes. They, yeah, <laughs> pancakes. pancakes. It was probably that movie. If it was the same time frame. <laughs> um, and unfortunately I, I didn't get to, to see it in the, the, the theater, but I remember renting it as soon as I could at blockbuster. And, uh, just being like, as you said, blown away by it, because I think that it was a real visceral move. You know, I mean, there were some, some sequences in that movie that were just like, oh, like nails on a chalkboard, you know, when, when he reaches down and the girl and, you know, puts his finger up in the blood. (laughs) And, um, it was, it was just one of those movies that like, and I, I think like, Nicotero maybe was involved with the special effects, I think. I believe he was. Yeah, wow. and it was just like this great use of practical stuff and and that sort of reveal when he finds that, you know, the girl that he loves, you know, how her oh, face man. is just yeah. dissipated and, and the, the teeth are out. Um, I was just like, whoever this Eli Roth guy is, he's... <sighs> get him another movie and then to see, you know, Tarantino take him under his wing. And I remember seeing the first hostel in the theater and just being like this guy and he's from Massachusetts. Yeah. So it's like my, my people. And, um, I just remembered in, in hostel and and we did two Eli Roth films on this, on this, on this album with hostel that last scene with that, that was like the best Revenge I've ever seen <laughs> You know the bathroom scene Where he, where yeah. he cuts the guy's yeah, throat yeah, yeah. And takes his fingers I was like This yeah. Eli guy That's He's hard.
2: great the, the sequel was really good too That was the yeah. sequel When all the girls do And they did the Elizabeth Bathory thing Remember when the girls In the tub Yeah <laughs> the guy, yeah, That fucking was Scythe. bad. I yeah. think we were at were we at the theater and saw Leo at that one, I think, randomly yeah. and didn't know yeah. he was there? I think I was there. We were there for yeah, hostel, too. Have
3: you met Eli yet? I haven't, but a friend of mine uh, knows him and, and they were at a, a bar with him one time. And uh, I guess she showed Eli the cover art of the Silver Scream one. So she sent me a video of Eli being like, hey, dude, like. I, you know, your friend showed me the cover art. Looks dope as hell. I'm gonna check out the band. But I do feel like uh, we we are kindred spirits. We probably would get along. Oh yeah, yeah, I could
2: see that for yeah. sure, dude. Did you see? Did you ever see Cabin Fever Two, The Ty yeah. West, the Ty West movie. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love that movie. But Ty yeah. basically like disavows it because it was one of those things. What what is it called? Spring when
3: Spring Fever? Is that the? Y- is that the uh, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was.
2: Yeah. what's it fucking my microphone here? Hold on, hold on. Um. What what is it what is it called when a director doesn't want their name on the movie oh, that yeah, they Oh yeah it's a certain
3: it's a certain uh, name it's like a w- Walter Smitty or something It's something you, like that because I remember being baffled at why the guy who did American History X wanted his name off of it. Oh, yeah, that's right. But that's what I, re- I remember hearing that. Oh, that's the name like the Jane Doe or something. Whatever you give that the um, friend of Bill W kind of version. Yeah, of that,
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I fucking loved it, the sequel just as much as the, as the original. I mean, that exposed me to the world of Ty West, too, and yeah. like House of the Devil and the Innkeepers and all these X all these was fun. amazing. X. X was great, yes. right? Was so, so cool. Good. And then the follow ups, I guess, was our Already done when yeah. the, by the time the first one hit theaters? That's uh, what I heard. Pearl. So that's, yeah, that's
3: coming out soon. So what have you been watching lately just on your own? I, I, during the pandemic, I watched all the films on Horrorwood like five times yeah. to, to kind of sink, <laughs> nice. sink them in again. But um, just been doing like, you know, a deep dive on, on you know, platforms like Shudder. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just so much good programming on there. I love watching... The, the last drive in with, with Joe Bob Briggs. It's just like, you know, comfort food because I remember him on TNT, uh, Monster Vision. Um, but the last movie I saw in the theater that I really loved, was X, and I went uh, on a day off we had on tour, um, really loved the new Scream. Um, oh yeah!
2: What was your experience? I mean, you being a massive Scream fan, when and where did you end up seeing new, the new Radio Silent Scream? So
3: this is, is is pretty cool. So we actually saw it in Burbank, right? And um, I have a new thing that maybe it started because of the pandemic. You know, we you know in the masks and everything. But I started renting my own theater. Oh, which we, you could do. Yeah, I've heard about wow. that. I haven't done it yet. It's, it's pretty inexpensive. Yeah, too. it was yeah. like. Two $200, Two or t- yeah. $300 to rent your whole, your own theater. And we did that for. Uh, Halloween Kills, which was badass, and we did it for Scream in Burbank, and we get out of the movie. Love the movie, and um, you know the the mall in, in Burbank yeah. with the escalator. Yeah. And so we're we're outside of the theater, and I turn around and I see the entire cast of Scream Five what? coming down the escalator. No shit. Yeah, and the guy, you know, the the guy was wearing his Letterman jacket just like he was in the film. And then I turn to my right. And Skeet's right there, so they, you know, movie people they like to to cinema hop on opening weekend, and they yeah. we just happen to, to catch them uh, seeing the movie. So they probably rented <laughs> their own yeah, theater their own as well. Awesome. Awesome. That's bad.
2: Do they still do that? Can you still do that? Yeah, 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 well, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. No shit, yeah. you got
2: to do it. I want to do it, man. You know, you know what the deal is unfortunately sometimes and this you know hey it's it's a crapshoot anytime you go to a theater you never know it could be one bad egg who ruins the experience for everybody but that's just it if it's a movie like you're really looking forward to i have anxiety wondering (laughs) is that is like when we saw scream
3: someone brought their baby oh my god
2: and we were looking forward to seeing scream huge radio silence fans yeah get a babysitter do the whole thing Go to the theaters. Get ready to see Scream. One of the first movies we saw in a theater during the pandemic. Fucking baby starts crying. I'm like, "Are you hey,
4: fucking kidding the me?" The baby was like two because I know babies, and that baby was two,
2: and <laughs> A two year old.
4: And I'm like, "This two year old, so old enough, not...
2: old enough to know what's kind of yeah. going on, too. A little bit, right? Yeah. You should have went
3: George Costanza on him and just yeah. just." <laughs> Tore him a new one, and I they screamed the entire thing like a here. flight.
2: Oh, oh yeah, the entire time, and they yeah. didn't. They didn't walk walk the kid out. And in fact, they changed didn't they change the kid? Yeah, I think they changed the kid oh during my the God. movie. Oh, like changed the yeah. diaper. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Death yeah. penalty in th- for in that the theater. For I agree. Death penalty.
2: <laughs> I've only freaked out in a the theater one time.
4: Oh God, with our kid there. What were too. we seeing?
2: What were we seeing the boy too? Yeah, the I boy too, think... and <laughs> someone. A bunch of teenage girls in front of us. We took our daughter. One of the first horror films she saw in a in a theater. She was twelve, I think, at the time. Maybe eleven. Took her to see The Boy too. All a fucking sea of phones light up in front. You know, right in front, in the front yeah. row, while the movie's going. And I yell. I fucking yelled. You're good. And I said, "What did I say?" <laughs> Turn off your fucking phone or something yeah. like that. It traumatized my daughter. Now she's afraid. I think she's afraid to go to the movies with me. That's the only time I've ever done that. And you know what the girls did? Turn them off and fucking turned them back on. Of Are course. you serious? So I didn't do yeah. shit. Yeah.
3: Jesus. Yeah. This generation. Right? No, so I get
2: renting, renting my own theater. I'd fucking love it. Yeah. Especially if it's a movie I want to see. Because it might be fucked up for you if you don't.
3: It's completely worth it. It's yeah. completely worth it because you don't want that cinema experience ruined, especially if you're seeing a movie for the first time. Yeah, you know.
0: And I well, think it's in like the first ten or twenty people get concession. They get like popcorn and drinks part
3: of the package. Oh, I think I oh. I fucked up because I missed oh, that part man, of it. Man, I want free popcorn. <laughs> yeah. um, but also in the last few weeks, I, I you know been going to these smaller theaters. We you know we went to the new Bev, which you know Tarantino oh, owns, and yeah. saw. Um, yeah. People under the stairs. Oh I mean, man, it's so cool going to that theater and, and they play the retro trailers before the movie. So I think when we saw people under the stairs, that you know it was like Friday the Thirteenth, Final Chapter, and you know Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warrior, something. It's like it brings me back to the eighties. Yeah. And then when we were in Boston, we went to this Coolidge Corner theater and saw like a thirty-five millimeter print of the original Friday the Thirteenth. Oh. I love doing that stuff.
2: That shit, you can't go wrong because at yeah. those theaters everybody's there. Like they'd fucking kill you if right. you talked. Right, slit your throat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh man.
0: Oh, it just occurred to me. You got to do Final Chapter tribute, man. Especially. Oh, especially oh yeah. that, that's the my Christmas, favorite. That's the my favorite Glover day. Friday <laughs> thirteen. Yeah, the Christmas that, Glover. That dance. Amazing. Got to do that.
2: <laughs> Corey Feldman, Savini. Yeah. I love the Final <laughs> me Chapter. Me too. Man. A lot yeah. of people don't, but I really? love that. Yeah, I love that. That's my favorite Friday.
3: Yeah, yeah. Same here. Same For um, Scream Fest in LA, they they did a. Uh, I can't remember what it must have been like the fortieth year anniversary of, of it a few years ago. And they had us play acoustic uh before the showing. Oh wow. And it was really cool. And Joe Zito was there who directed the movie. Yeah. That, that yeah. He, I mean he's awesome. He also did like the Prowler yep. and um Harry Manfredini was there and we played our oh, Thank cool. God it's Friday uh, before the showing. And it was just so fun. Oh
2: <laughs> speaking of Manfredini. Everybody's asking about it. When are you guys going to score a film?
3: Oh, man. I mean, I I would absolutely love to. So any movie producers out there, you know where to find me.
2: How how did you not have a song on the Scream 5 soundtrack? Well,
3: you know what's so funny about that? Our fans lobbied so hard for it. And... um, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. But I, I was at my friend uh, James A. Janice, who's dead. Me, James and, and Chelsea, their wedding, and we got into the wedding, and they they sat us at this awesome table. First of all, it was a beautiful wedding. Heather Langenkamp was officiating the ceremony. Oh wow! Married them. It was it was so cool. And at our table was uh, Tyler Matt and Chad from Radio Silence. The coolest guys ever. The coolest guys. Yeah. So I went, I, I knew what they looked like. I went right over to them. I was like, dude, Scream, because Scream 5 came out the weekend before. So I was like, bravo, congratulations. It was such an awesome achievement. Wes would be proud. And we got into talking, and uh, they asked me what i do. So do. He was like, you're a nice Night Kills. Your fans keep tweeting at us.
4: <laughs> and by the end of the night,
3: you know, we were... Pals with them, we're hanging out with them, and, and, and um, they, they said to me, I don't know, it was after we had a few uh, you know, whiskey sodas, but they're like, You're in Scream 6. So we'll see. Whoa, we'll hold on to it. I don't know. I don't know. If that will, <laughs> it's but, on the way. It's on the way. Well,
2: they, and they're like, is it Matt? One of the guys who like has a punk rock band past too, right? One of them was in a band. I yep. think so. Yeah. Yeah. I Link 80. Happening. Yeah.
3: Link 80. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's and, it. And, and that was one of the things we talked about because I'm I'm a huge punk fan and they were part of the whole Gilman street era. And we just had a lot of mutual uh, acquaintances and like we, you know, we came up listening to the same stuff like Epitaph Records. So we. We were uh we were we were friends pretty quick yeah yeah they're
4: so nice like i cornered them at the vhs 94 screening <laughs> and they sat and listened to me talk <laughs> Again about ready or not Oh yeah <laughs> I fucking like, love that
2: Movie so so hard
4: and they listened To all my ideas of everything I want to do to this house and they were Fully supporting <laughs> it. oh my
2: god <laughs> I yes. believe it those guys Are so yeah. creative too if you yeah. go on and like Watch their early youtube videos and Things that they used to make as a yeah. group like of like like almost like horror comedy Stuff so fucking good So good I urge anyone listening You have to go and dig out their stuff Yeah, yeah absolutely it, it's so so Good. And
3: I loved hearing about you know they were telling me about how they got that name and it was just like because people wouldn't give them the time of day they'd get a call or an email and then nothing would happen you know people would go radio silent yeah so they yeah. have the same kind of chutzpah punk rock kind of DIY mentality as we did it's like okay well no label wants to sign us but fuck that we're just gonna do it ourselves yep. Warp Tour doesn't want us we're gonna break in and sell our CDs yep, yeah 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 and, and then Warp Tour eventually you know came calling and we're no you longer go. radio yeah. silent. There you go. There you go. You know, what
4: I was were gonna, gonna talk about how ironic it is that we on Bleeders Digest, our other podcast, yeah, yeah. we re-released your episode. Oh yeah, the Spencer Yeah,
2: the Spencer episode's out the, this week, yeah. The feed, yeah. <laughs>
4: it's about a podcast. That's right. And <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah. Thank you again for doing that, dude.
4: Oh, absolutely. Doing, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. The the voiceover yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I hope that came out good. It, it was did. A first it did, I, dude. It was great. I was honored to do that, and and you guys always invite me back for such cool stuff. Uh, interviewing David Arquette. Yes. Oh, yes. spree. That, dude, that movie was awesome. Dude, it was so
2: fun I, good. We got to do more of that shit. have yeah. you have you wanted? I would love to any time. Interview people yeah. and stuff. And yeah. now that we got to do, we, we should do something for Scream Six in here.
3: Yeah, dude, definitely. Everybody, yeah.
2: Everybody in person.
3: What are you guys doing at Monster? palooza this year so unfortunately we're going to be in europe when it's happening but we will have a booth okay. and a presence there so anytime i can attend one of these great conventions we still want to have an involvement yeah because i wish i could be at all of them but um I've never been able to go to the Monster Palooza here. I've, I've always been on the road. It is so
2: fun! That's one of our favorite. That's one of our favorite ones. Yeah. yeah, we got a booth there this year. Uh, we had one, you know, the last time they did it in 2019. So it's been, you know, obviously away uh, during the pandemic. But wow, it's so fucking cool. And that one, I, I think I like it because so many of the special effects artists are there. Yep, and it's geared towards like the the menu, you know, the making of the art, the art of monsters yeah. and things like that. So they have a museum there and. McGee is there with his stuff all the time Which is so awesome to yeah. see but yeah it, it is fucking phenomenal But that's great that you guys uh, that you guys Have a booth there so you're gonna be in Europe Are you, You're you doing dates with Spirit Box Right yeah oh that's awesome That oh, fucking boom. band is cool. so
3: fucking good So badass and yep. great to see Them like explode because We right. be had toured with their previous band Years ago called I wrestled a bear once Also yes, right. love those guys yeah. so cool They're nuts <laughs> and um they're just very nice people, and uh, it's like our albums kind of came out around the same time, and I, I'm I'm very interested to see those shows, and some of them are already so- selling out, so it's a kind of a nice uh, matchup of sounds. Nice. Yeah, and then you did a couple shows with Metallica. We, we we've got two to go in August, wow. and and that was like we did one in in Vegas uh, where the Raiders play at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, and uh, it was like maybe a week or two after our. Album came out and the album came out. It did did really well, better than we thought it was going to do. And I just got this call from our booking. He's like, "Hey, um, do you want to uh, do some a show with Metallica?" I was like, right, "Well, let me let me check the schedule." Right? <laughs>
4: oh my god! It was
3: this is one of those calls yeah. where you're like, you dream of it just because you know. Not only is Metallica just like the most iconic metal band of all time. You know, I grew up idolizing these guys. Part of the reason why I wanted to play heavy music. Saw them in ninety-six at the Boston Garden. And um and then the craziest thing would have been crazy enough to play one show. And then a few weeks later, our agents like, um, do you want to do two more gigs with them in Buffalo where the Bills play? And in Pittsburgh, um, where the Pirates play? I was just like, Is this is this oh, a joke? Wow. So that's awesome. It's crazy. You had, had, had a corner uh, Kirk Hammond. Yes. he's a big he's a, he's big, a big horror fan, fan. Yeah. Well, we were trying to figure out because we've heard from everyone it's kind of known in the music industry that they're very particular about the bands that they take out and they're very involved in the decision so that made me feel even more on oh, yeah. that. so awesome. thinking maybe it's you know, maybe Kirk is a horror fan maybe yeah. that's how it kind of got introduced to him or something
2: yeah oh man he's a huge I, I've got that uh, he's got a couple books out one of them's called too much horror business and it's just a book Full of pictures of his collection. And he's got, I mean, he's got amazing props yeah. and movie posters too, original posters yeah. that literally he spends millions of dollars. Some of these posters.
3: Or like over a million each. for yeah, some of the posters, like original Boris Karloff yeah. stuff. Exactly. Even farther back than that. Yeah, he did a he did a whole um, exhibit at the Peabody Essex Museum in That's right. Salem. That's right. Um, and it was it was just unbelievable. And he had some of his guitars displayed because I remember seeing them play, you know, in the '90s, and he would have these guitars with like a um, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon yeah, or yes. the Mummy yeah. on them. Yep. It was, like seeing them in person was pretty pretty rad. That's awesome. What about
2: your microphone for your live shows? Who did who designed that thing? Oh,
3: the microphone stand? Yeah, yeah. So we work with this really talented lady called Miss uh, she calls um MM Custom Art this lovely lady named Missy and she is a special effects person and a makeup guru and uh, she designs all of our props for our stage and all these masks and uh, she actually gave me that mic stand just as a present. Wow! It's so incredible. It's it's sort of like an amalgamation of all the characters. It's got, you know, Silence which is our slasher character and it's got Michael and uh, Jason beneath him, sort of lifting him up and it's got Light that turn on for the eyes and uh she's just awesome and she makes stuff for band from everyone from like cradle of filth to behemoth and uh very fortunate that she works with us wow
4: so uh you're a prop collector like us is there a grail prop that you have been eyeing or would love to have
3: well, back to uh, when we were talking about Sean Clark earlier. He's got an amazing, oh yeah, collection. Yeah,
2: yeah, insane shit. It's
3: say yeah. hey, like you guys are two two peas in the pod in the in the <laughs> twisted bloody yes. pod, and uh, he has the hedge clippers from the burning. Really, oh, yeah. the burning? You love that movie? Oh, wow. You've
2: you've recommended that to us many yeah. times. That, I still have not seen. Got to
3: see it. It's like it's um just like peak era Savini. You know, it's right after friday 13th part one and instead of doing part two he, he went and did the burning and uh it, it's just it's just one of the most like for me the infamous scene where through the canoe and he just completely destroys these cam counselors with these hedge clippers i was like oh man i think savini just gave him the hedge clippers so he's told <laughs> me if he ever sells them then i'm first in first oh, in line oh, for the call
4: so, I got a little part time job at prop store, which is probably the worst thing that ever could happen to this house.
3: It's like a heroin
2: addict <laughs> getting a job at a heroin factory. We get Pretty high much. off our own supply. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Always a bad idea.
4: So, <laughs> right. we're having an auction next month, and there's some amazing horror props that you're going to freak out over.
3: Please and the, and the, tell me when, when to we go to the auction.
4: <laughs> so, there is a, since this is going to air, after so there's a scream knife from the OG Billy Loomis knife. It's all like damaged and it's gorgeous.
3: How do I hear how do I bid? Where do I put my money? So <laughs> I'm just gonna give you my ATM card right now. <laughs> exactly. Don't because I'll card.
4: win something for you. I love spending other people's money. <laughs> <Do> <laughs> so. It. so something
3: like that. Is that like Ten thousand dollars, a
4: hundred thousand dollars. Like, what? What? What do you think in the neighborhood? I think the estimate was maybe six to eight. That's it. Possibly. I'll go right now. And then there's the <laughs> one of the coolest pieces is from Freddy versus. Oh, Jason. Oh yeah, this thing
2: is cool, man. And
4: it's the effect where the glove is going through. You remember at the end of Freddy versus Jason. Uh, Jason the arm. Sticks is is it Jason Sticks, sticks his sticks. hand in the glove? Yeah, he, he
3: severed arm, right? Severed arm. Then right. he
4: impales Freddie, Freddie, with his own glove.
3: Yes, great and kill. And
4: so the glove is coming out of the sweater. Yes, the oh full. Well, it's the full God. prosthetic chest
2: of Freddie with the arm sticking out, as it appeared in the film. It's fucking beautiful. Man. Wasn't that?
0: Isn't there? It uh, wasn't that. What's his name? Kane Hodder.
2: Uh, no, no Kane was, Hodder was not Freddy was, versus Jason. No,
0: there's a there's a trivia where he he did something with as uh, Freddy and Jason. I think that was Jason goes to hell. Yes, yes, hell. yes, that's what it
3: yes. Was. yeah That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. The Freddy versus Jason thing with Kane was a whole. That's hot right. topic. Oh, yeah, a because they, they yeah, put he, Ken Kersinger instead. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, oh shit, Lauren oh showed him the picture.
3: That is incredible. I'm seeing the the Freddy glove go through Freddy's own chest. Ah,
2: like, what's the awesome. estimate of that? Like, what's that? Uh, that's like crazy
4: <laughs> no I think it's 15 to 20
2: Jeez, that well, sounds man. reasonable to me you know what's crazy is that like that whole thing the whole screen use prop collecting thing has been something that's exploded these past few years and what we're seeing is like prices are just going astronomically high and yeah. a lot of it was you know crypto crypto yeah. kids right right having all this newfound money just throwing it at these things because that, you know that's kind of like when you think about it really like modern art it's like buying yeah. a picasso for a kid who's 26 or whatever right this is their picasso yeah, it's right. the stuff from the movies they love yeah. so literally throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars on these items but it's brought the whole hobby up because of that yeah. right cuz people are paying these high and back in the day you know people were throwing this stuff out They'd be like, "Why would you even want this? Right. Have right. it for free? You know, get it out of a dumpster." Yeah. But now,
3: oh my God, you know, so right. much more competition. Yeah, bad for people like you. Right, exactly. Yeah. But exactly. you, you have one of the most amazing yeah. collections I've ever seen, oh, dude. Oh. And, uh, for those know, people out there listening, that this, their house is just, whew, I've never seen anything like it. And thank you for adding us to the House of Horrors with the the, the theme Ice song, Nine Carousel, the Ice Nine
2: Carousel. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. I'm honored. And yes. soon, I mean, I remember. I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking, and now we can put it on records, and no one can steal the idea. But oh uh, Spencer and I were going to open a horror ice cream yes. place called Screams. Right, it's S- perfect. Screams with the little apostrophe. And I was thinking of like. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I went back, like, some of my favorites. So you came up with a few of these. Slumber Parfait Massacre. Be like Slumber
0: Parfait Massacre. It's going to be, like, nice nine screams, nine flavors.
2: Hey, that's a good idea. That that's bad. a good idea. I think we came up with more, though. Toby Scooper. Oh, that's <laughs> so Scooper, good.
3: Right? With the ice cream coat. It had a little hat on the top. Toby Casket Robins, yeah. maybe. In a... <laughs> oh, that's a new yeah, one that's I just That's good. good, with that, that, good. Yeah, that's
2: good. That's good. And uh, my favorite, <laughs> Leo, you'll love this one. It's just an ice cream sandwich. Just a plain old ice cream sandwich. Okay, it was called the witch. That's <laughs> just perfect. Just like <laughs> with spelled, again, yeah with the apostrophe nice. witch. The witch. No, I nice. think we got
3: to do. I think Magnolia Boulevard. Let's right. It, That's right? Hereditary. Oh my right? god! I don't even remember that one. Hereditary. That's so good. Midsummer's bar. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we were going back forth yeah. with these texts yeah. for like an hour. The Exorcist.
2: Remember it was ice cream with Chex mix. I think in yes, it. Yes, the yeah,
3: Chexorcist
2: <laughs> you came out with chopping malt. That was great. Oh my Shopping god! Chopping malt. That's brilliant. Uh, the hills have ice cream. <laughs> it was like a banana split.
4: <laughs> oh my <laughs> Just, gosh!
2: Now that now we've cemented these ideas. now it's trademarked, right? Is this how trademark works? It's now officially trademarked. It's I think, we, yeah. In it audio, and it's published, right? Yeah, <laughs>
4: that's right.
3: <laughs> no one can, can steal it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my god. Spencer, man, it's always such a pleasure and yes. an honor to have you here, man. It's been it's been way too long.
3: I know, man. We got to make it more <laughs> of a regular thing, but always a pleasure coming here. It's it's like the coolest podcast you can possibly do. The house is amazing, and it's just it's great to see you. Great to see like minded psychos. <laughs> yes, right? That's right.
2: Likewise, man. Thanks for coming, dude. All right, that was the Brew Crew Podcast, episode 327. Special thanks to our guest, Spencer Charnas from the band Ice Nine Kills. You can follow them at Spencer Inc. and at Ice Nine Kills on Insta. Get their latest album, The Silver Screen 2. Welcome to Horrorwood everywhere. Check out their incredible videos and go to IceNineKills.com. Get tickets to all their shows and their convention, Silver Screen Con, August 27th in Beverly, Mass. Music for this episode from Ice Nine Kills. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boo Crew saying, "Sweet screams." Be back again this week.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand. And Leone D'Antonio The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Chen Chopped and sliced by Trevor Chen The Boo Crew is a TSP creation Part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network Bye